0: This is Zoe Church L.A. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Let me give you a little context before we jump in it. John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus, and he's been preaching for a long time about, about the Messiah who is going to come. Now here's the crazy part of the story. The Bible's like a soap opera, okay? John the Baptist is preaching about one here, a classic phrase in the Bible. He said, there's one who's coming after me, who's mightier than I, whose shoes I am not even worthy to lace up. That's a pretty cool compliment. But he doesn't know that it's his cousin Jesus. Until he's baptizing one day at the river, Jesus shows up. And when Jesus steps into the waters of baptism, John realizes who Jesus is. This is one of the reasons why you ought to be baptized, because identification oftentimes happens in the water. John, John looks and says, you're the Messiah. And Jesus is like, I know. Why do you tell me at Christmas? We weren't celebrating it yet. <laughs> Church joke. And, and the Bible says the spirit of God descends like a dove. And the voice of the father, after Jesus is baptized by John, the voice of the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's a powerful moment. John Knows who Jesus is. But then we find him in Matthew chapter 11 saying, verse 2, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things that the Messiah was doing. So, that's a coordinating conjunction. It lets us know that what happens next is because of what just happened. So he heard about what Jesus is doing. so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, yo, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Have you ever had unmet expectations? Like John thought that Jesus was going to roll up with a sword in hand, eradicate the Roman Empire, and turn the Jewish people over to the rightful rule, build a kingdom on the earth. But Jesus was building a kingdom in their hearts. It was a whole different thing. And now John's all freaked out because it didn't work out the way he wanted it to. Isn't it weird when Jesus' actions cause you to doubt his authenticity? Like Jesus zigs and you zag. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever declared in faith that God was going to do something and he didn't? Like, God's going to come through. He's going to do it. You just, you watch. And then you're avoiding those people the next week. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> God bless you. Have, you. have you ever thought, like, you thought something was going to be awesome and it wasn't? Like a taco place that you tell everybody about, like, it's the best. It's the best. They're finally like, okay, I'm going with you. I'm from Houston. Okay, come on, tacos. And you take them with you and it's the worst chicken ever. And it's like chewy and you're chewing with it. And you're like, mm, so good. You know, and it's not good. A pastor in Houston, and I love pastoring in Houston because it's a super diverse international city, but it's also kind of a cowboy town, so I feel super comfortable there. And my high school sport was rodeo, and I love it. And we have the world's largest indoor rodeo in Houston, and uh, it's called the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. If you're ever there in March, please hit your boy up. We'll go to the rodeo together because I love going to the rodeo. And there's about 78,000 people that go every night for 21 nights. And they see the world's greatest cowboys and cowgirls compete. It's unbelievable. And then, right after the competition, you see some of the most amazing artists, singers. It's just incredible. You can see anybody from George Strait to Beyonce at the rodeo. And, I mean, I've seen all kind of people. I love it. Jennifer and I, we love going. But your boy don't like to pay high prices for the tickets. Come on. You know what I mean? I'm a child of God. I need you to. I received that prayer today. Lord, just give me good tickets to the rodeo. (laughs) So people pay like 400 bucks for the shoot seats, which are right behind the bucking and chutes, and they're awesome seats. And I don't, I don't pay that. I pay $19. And then I just sit wherever I want. Because the Lord said I could have wherever I go. I'm like, right there. That's where I want, Lord, right there. People are like, you got my seat. I'm like, okay, now, right here, Lord, over here. And so... The reason these shoot seats are so expensive is because they move about six rows of these people up. Right after the rodeo, they move them up while the stage is getting set up in the middle. It takes about a minute and a half. It's unbelievable to watch. They take these people out, and they put them right in front of the stage, leaving six empty rows. And if you know that this blessing is about to be there, you can position yourself to walk into a blessing that is waiting on you. I'm not even preaching. I'm just telling a story. But you have to stand. You have to stand in line, and kind of like it gets kind of intense. You got to throw some elbows. I'm up there. I'm like, I'm a pastor, you know. People are like, Where do you pastor? I'm like, First Episcopal, you know. <laughs> it's not true, you know. Um, but but we're up there. And then on this specific night, we got on the front row, and evangelist Keith Urban was there. That he was leading worship that night for the rodeo. You, some of y'all know Keith. There's a new wind blowing like I've never known. Breathing deeper than I've ever done. It sure feels good. See, uh, This is my girl right here. Y'all don't even know. I'm scoring points and preaching a word. Come on, somebody. So Keith, Keith comes out. We're on the front row. My wife's a Keith fan, you know. He, he, he comes out. He's flipping his little Australian hair around, you know, playing the guitar, his little hairless arms, you know. He jumps off. <laughs> I'm sorry. He might be here. Um. <laughs> You know he he jumps off the stage and he's like he's like going the other way and I'm like Holy Spirit help him to come this way he hears the Holy Spirit he starts coming towards I don't know if you heard the Holy Spirit at all but he's already coming towards us and he climbed the bucket and shoots right in front of us y'all and I got a picture show him my picture I got a picture that's him right there and he's singing and then he hands his guitar he hands his microphone to his security and he starts crawling right like right over right up in our grill and at this moment my wife my lovely wife of 18 years loses her mind. She's like, Keith, oh, my God, Keith, oh, my God. I'm like, that ain't my name. <laughs> no, if he wanted, he should have put a ring on it. Hello, <laughs> Jeremy. That's what you should be. Anyway, um, but he doesn't, he doesn't come towards her. You remember, he doesn't come towards her. He comes towards your boy. He goes towards your boy. So she hands me like, she hands me her phones and the kids' phones and the camcorder. She's like, get a video. And I got a video. And I brought my video to Zoe Church. Y'all want to watch my video? Show my video. <laughs> That's my video, y'all. <laughs> Later on, Jim was like, let me see the video. And I showed it to her. She was like, you're a moron. I was like, I don't know what happened. She said, I do. When Keith Urban got close, you were like, oh, my God. Hey, then, like, security pushed me out of the way. It didn't, it didn't work the way I wanted it to work. You know what I mean? Like, I planned it one way. Have you ever been in a room with somebody who's, like, like a singer, like, you've always wanted to be around? Like, I had a plan. Like, I was going to meet I was going to meet. I know in L.A., like, you're in a room, and you see somebody. You're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And everybody's like, bro, you see who's here? I know. Oh, my God. And everybody's freaking out, and you're like, mm I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to have a moment. I'm going to walk over and be like, hey, how's it going? Oh, my gosh, you need a friend. I'll be there for you. And then you get close. You're like, I love your music. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they're like, security. That's what happened. Now, it's a ridiculous story, and I am, I am the preacher for this weekend. Pastor Chad will be back next week. And it's funny as a story, but when it happens in your prayer life, like you wanted God to come through in a spectacular fashion, and he didn't. When you prayed for something to happen, you begged God. You stood on faith. You declared the word. You served, and you give, and you love, and it still doesn't happen the way you want it to happen. You know what you start doing? You start doubting. And I'm just going to be real if it's okay. Look, I'm building a church, and I, I haven't built a church on like acting like I'm something. You know what I mean? And I know sometimes people think that as a pastor, like, you're supposed to be, like, you're supposed to be awesome. I'm supposed to be, like, rolling up in a suit and be like, hello, praise God, saints. <laughs> God is good all the time and all the time. Thank you, Christians. God doesn't answer email. He answers an email. Come on, somebody. But that's. <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. I'm embarrassing our family. Um, but that's just not the case. We run into brick walls sometimes. I'm praying and I'm like, God, why didn't you do what I thought you were going to do? You have moments. I remember a moment with you two right here, living in L.A., USC Film School, rocking and rolling. Going to have a baby. We were excited. I didn't ask you if I could tell this. Can I tell this? They lost that baby and it wasn't just a normal loss of a baby it was heartbreaking and we wept together and we cried together we prayed together and we didn't understand together what i didn't tell you is i was furious with god because if anybody deserves a baby it was you guys God, why help us plant the church? They lean in. They're living in LA, but they started in Houston. Help us plant the church. We'll sing. We'll load up. We'll load out. We'll help in the parking lot. Do anything. Why, God? Why them? You know what, God? God didn't answer me. He didn't. Well, he answered me. He just didn't. It wasn't the answer I wanted. But now you're sitting here. I'm gonna have a baby. I just announced it to everybody. That's cool. I already saw it on the gram, so I knew it was okay. But it creates a moment of doubt in your life. Listen, you're going to have these moments, and I want you to know this. God doesn't always live up to your expectation, but he always lives up to his word. And if he said he would be with you, he'll be with you. And if he said he'll never leave you, he'll never leave you. And if he said I'll be with you till the end of the world, he'll be with you to the end of the world. And listen, you hear people clapping? That makes a really good preaching point but it's really hard to live. God's gonna be with you, amen. But what about on Tuesday when everything's going wrong and now I'm doubting God. And as a pastor, I've had moments of amazing, incredible, heart-wrenching doubt in God. And if you're in that spot and you're dealing with doubt and depression and fear and anxiety, and you don't even know what to do and you don't even know which way is up, welcome to the party. Welcome to Doubters Anonymous. We're glad you're here. My name is Jeremy. Thank you. (laughs) But if you read this book, you're going to find that you're not alone. There's a lot of people in this book that would not qualify to be pastors or preachers or evangelists or teachers or even just really great people. They walk through hard times. Job is a powerhouse man of God. And we often talk about the the faith of Job. We often talk about, man, when he went through all of this hard times, he went through all of this tough, tough times, he still kept the faith. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Powerful man of God in the Bible, lost everything and kept faith in God. But we don't often talk about what he said in Job chapter 14, verse 19. Here's what Job said. As waters wear away the stones and as floods wash away the soil of the earth, so you, O Lord, destroy the hope of man. Nobody's going to make a bracelet out of that. (laughs) Guys, get your destroy the hope of man bracelets on the way out. God bless you. Hope is not here. Hope is dead. Hallelujah. You know, nobody's (laughs) nobody's saying that. Jeremiah, Jeremiah is a powerhouse man of God. When he prays, he weeps. He wrote Jeremiah and Lamentations. Such a powerful man of God. Nobody celebrates Jeremiah 15, 18. Here's what he said. Read it in context. Read the entire, here's some of your homework. Go read, just just read Jeremiah chapter 15. And read what this guy walked through. Here's what he says. Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuseth to be healed? Wilt thou be altogether unto me as a liar and as waters that fail? He's talking to God. Listen, if you're angry with God, go ahead and tell him because he already knows. Okay, it's not like you're hiding a secret from me. Like me and God ain't talking right now. Like he knows. And don't you think that his shoulders are big enough to handle your anger and your frustration and your disappointment and your depression? Here's, I have a revelation on grief when I'm walking through hard times. God loves us so much he wants to change it. But we live in a fallen world. So when you grieve a loss and you grieve pain, God grieves with you. He won't always deliver you out of everything, but he's promised that he will walk with you through it. You can read this book, and it's filled with people who walked through heartache and hurt, who had great faith and also had great moments of doubt. Nobody's stronger than Elijah. Whenever Elijah prayed, stuff happened, y'all. He prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three years. Like, that's for real prayer. You know what I mean? And then the, the people of God were worshiping false gods, were worshiping Baal, an idol. And so Elijah said, I'm sick of this. Let's have a throwdown showdown on the mountaintop. You meet me up there. You bring your best people. I'll bring my best self. You build an altar to your God. I'll build an altar to my God. And whichever God answers by fire after we pray, that's the one true God. This dude was a thug. And they get up there and they pray. And he's hilarious. If you don't believe God has a sense of humor, just look at your neighbor. I'm playing. Don't do that. That was a joke. It was a joke. Come on, guys. Don't laugh at stuff like this. Church. If you don't believe God has a sense of humor, look at what Elijah did. Yeah. Elijah starts, starts taunting the prophets of Baal. He's like, guys, scream louder. It's possible that your God is a really heavy sleeper. <laughs> That's messed up. I can't wait to get to heaven and be like, that was a jerk move, but it was awesome. <laughs> and then they finish, and he says, is it my turn? And they're like, yeah, it's your turn. And he takes this altar, and he puts the sacrifice on it, and he digs a trench around it. Remember, it hasn't rained in three years. And he pours water over the sacrifice and over the altar so much that it fills up this, this little trench. And he prays a one-paragraph prayer. And fire falls from heaven and not only saturates the, the, the sacrifice, but also the stones on the altar and all of the water. And then he turns and looks at the prophets and says, how do you like me now? That's not in the King James Version, but it was something like that. And then they go kill all the prophets of Baal. This is a powerhouse guy. And then he goes... And he finds this other place to pray. He says, listen, it's getting ready to rain. And he goes and he prays until it rains. And then he outruns the king's chariot down the mountain. This dude's for real. He's a powerhouse prayer warrior. And then he gets a letter from a lady named Jezebel. And I'm not going to read it to you, but it's something like this. Dear Elijah, comma, don't love what you did to my prophets, exclamation point. So, comma, I'm going to kill you, period. Period. I'm going to kill you till you're dead. Exclamation point, mean face emoji, hashtag you better run, sucker. It was something like that. And his response, this dude just called down fire from heaven, y'all. Yeah. Here's his response. Here's what he says. First Kings chapter 19. Elijah was afraid. Bro, you just called down fire from heaven. Yeah. Can you imagine if you were able to do that? Aren't you glad you can't do that? Especially in L.A. traffic. Hello, somebody. There would be smoldering cars all around. you like, bye. You yeah. know? This is a powerhouse man, but he's afraid, and he fled for his life, and he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone. Everybody say alone. Here's the problem. You were not designed to be alone. That's why we're launching on September 17th. That's why we're launching groups. Why? Because you need a group. Some of y'all need a surgery, a phrenectomy. You need to cut some of the people off who are dragging you down all the time and get some people who are going to build you up and live your best life and speak life into your life and help you. I can't go to the next level by myself. It's going to take somebody saying, hey, you got this. God's got this. You're going to make it. This guy just came off of one of the greatest victories in history. And gets a letter from a lady and now he's scared to death and he goes off alone. And notice what he does whenever he's alone. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed. He didn't stop praying. Just notice the nature of his prayer. And he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life for I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. So now he's dealing with several different problems. Isn't it weird to find out that a man in the Bible is dealing with suicidal depression? A powerful man in the Bible is so depressed that his mode of suicide, remember how powerful his prayers are? His mode of suicide is to use that power of prayer to go ahead and kill himself. Here's why. Because he's comparing himself to his ancestors. I'm no better than my ancestors. Comparison will kill you. That's why you need to be around people who say, listen, God's called you. You don't have to change about yourself. You Just keep looking, keep looking at what God's <laughs> called you to be. You don't have to try to be like somebody else. He's scared to death, and he... He cries out to God to kill him. Now I can only find like one thing different between the threats that he was getting from the prophets of Baal and the threats that he's getting from Jezebel. And here's the one thing that's different: they were dudes, and she's a lady. <laughs> and I kind of understand that. You've never met my mama. How many of y'all had? A, how many of y'all? <laughs> She's not here, probably. How many of y'all had a crazy mama? Come on, just raise your hand. You had a crazy mama. Some of y'all are like scared. This dude raised both hands. He was like, she was crazy. Let me, let me ask you a better question. How many of y'all ever got a spanking when you were a kid? You got a spanking when you were a kid. Come on, look at you, and you're in church today. Come on, somebody. I never got a spanking when I was a kid, y'all. I got a whooping. It's a whole different thing. A spanking's like, ow, ow, am oh I God, ow. A whooping, you can't feel your legs from the waist down. You know what I mean? Like, and, and mamas, like dads, you know where the line was with dad, right? Like, Dad was like, hey, don't do that. You're like, yes, sir. Dad, Daddy didn't even have to say anything. My dad just looked at me like, and I'm like, hey, Daddy said we chill out. Daddy didn't say nothing. Hey, yes, he did. He said, you're going to die. You know what I mean? But, Mama, you never knew. You just didn't know. Right? Come on. Mama be like, you'd just standing there talking to her. Like, oh, whatever, mom. She's like, I know, whatever. Next day, you're like, oh, whatever. It's like, bam, don't ever say whatever to me. It's like. Dad would hit you like I'm gonna hit you three times. Mama just spanked you till she wasn't mad anymore. You know what I mean? I called them syllable spankers. I'm telling you right now, if you. <laughs> I wasn't gonna tell this story, but I'm gonna tell it. Is it okay if I'm just home, bro? I feel like home. So, so my dad. <laughs> thank you for thank you. All right. So this might be my last time back, yeah? So, um, uh, let's just go for it. All right. So, whenever I was a kid, my dad started this church in North Carolina. And uh, and we had about 300 people in the church, and we had a small church youth group. And I was about 15. And on the specific night, like we all got together and had a youth party, and then the girls went to a slumber party, and the guys went to hang out. You know, and the goal of the girls' slumber party was, oh my God, let's do our hair and makeup and nails, and let's talk about boys. And the goal of the guys' hangout was like, let's get to the girls' slumber party. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and as a young leader, as the pastor's son, I felt like it was my duty to kind of lead, you know, to lead the men, the young men of God, in this charge to get to the girls' slumber party. So. (laughs) So I was like, I've never been scared. Like, I'm just going to go straight to it, you know. And I went straight to the chaperone who was over the girls' uh, slumber party. And I said, hey, how awesome would it be if we just rolled up to the slumber party and, like, we just came in and scared the girls? And I thought she was going to like, get away from here, little boy. What's wrong with you? She was like, oh, my God, that's a great idea. You guys should come over. I'll leave the back door open. And you guys just sneak in and scare them. And I was like, I am like, I can't believe we let you watch children. So we went and we got pantyhose and we put them on over our heads because it just makes you look crazy. And we crept in, we snuck in. She had all these girls like gathered around. She had them gathered around the fireplace. She had a fire going. She had one of those old school silver flashlights under her chin. And she was she was telling these 14 and 15, 16-year-old girls ghost stories. And she was like, and then the man was walking along the railroad tracks looking for his head. And the girls were like lame, you know. And then we jumped out, we were like, ah! and they like freaked out they never saw it coming it was awesome I forgot one thing my father pastored a very multicultural church what what I'm trying to tell you is when white girls are scared they're like oh 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 god oh my god oh god Becky Sandy oh my god what are we gonna do? oh don't hurt us oh god what are we gonna do When African-American girls are scared, it's different, okay? Like right when we walked in, like I jumped in, there was this girl named Kiki. For real, her name was Kiki. She didn't love me. She was sitting right there. She screamed, and then she picked up a ficus tree, y'all. You know one of those little nonviolent ones from Walmart for $39.99 at your mama's house? She swung it like a lightsaber, like hit me in the head. I got ficus leaves sticking out of my face. I can't get the pantyhose off of my head. Then she picks up the phone. She's like, Biggie, call Pookie and them. Get over here. These fools get ready get thrown. And the Mexican girls were cussing us in Spanish. I didn't know what they were saying. The white girls are like, oh my God, you guys better go. Oh my God, they're really mad. See you at church. Oh my God. Like I thought we were going to end up like scaring them and then be at the party. Nah. Your boy was running down the street like, ah. (laughs) It didn't work out the way I wanted to work out. Some of you have best laid plans. You got this plan and you think it's going to be perfect. You got plans for this week. And when they blow up in your face, what do you do? What do you do when they blow up in your face? You got to remember that God's with you and that God loves you and He's there for you. And it's not all going to turn out the way that you want it to turn out. This is where we find John the Baptist. In our text, he's a powerful man of faith who had more proof than anybody else that Jesus is who he says he is. He heard, he watched the Holy Spirit, and he heard from God the Father, this is my son. Yet we find him in prison. Are you the one, or should we look for somebody else? And here's why. Because a prison perspective will always cause you to doubt your destiny. When I'm in a prison, and I don't know what your prison is. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it's a relationship that's unsteady. Maybe it's challenge in your life. Maybe maybe somebody let you down that you trusted. Maybe this is your first time back in church in a long time. Because you got hurt somewhere. Thank you for coming here. You've come to one of the greatest churches on the face of the planet with a whole bunch of imperfect people who are going to love you and fight for you and walk with you. Love this church, man. But maybe, maybe it's you. Maybe you just know You don't understand, man, I love this, and I love coming here. And Pastor Chad, the smiliest person in the world, more joy than anybody. I love you, man. I love being around you. I like taking pictures with you because they're always open-mouth laughing. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Maybe you're saying, yeah, I like coming here, but you don't understand the mistakes that I've made, the sins that I've committed, the pain that I'm walking through, the stuff in my life, the junk in my life. Can I tell you, you? you may be saying, yeah, you don't understand that, but you don't understand the God that I serve. Come on. And inside of kingdom culture, your faith is more important than your failure. Yeah. So good. Yeah. What does that mean? Sometimes we focus so much on you being perfect. Right. Our world is that way, right? Yeah. How many of y'all ever taken a, like an Instagram picture and you're like, hashtag, no filter, hashtag liar. <laughs> it took you like 38 tries to get that one picture, you know what I mean? I love that we are in a church where you can just take off the mask. I want you to remember this. God God cannot heal who you pretend to be. This is why you just have to come to him open-handed. He was surrounded by some really cool guys. When Jesus came, he built a connect group, a little small group called the Disciples. And he had one in the group who was just belligerent. This dude was just all the way live all the time, Simon Peter, just out front. Brandish a sword, cut somebody's ear off, curse somebody. He don't even care. He would not make it on most church staffs today. Like we have policies. Make sure we don't hire Simon Peter, okay? And Jesus was like, I want that guy. And so whenever Jesus is pulling the disciples together, he's saying, listen, everything's getting ready to shake. All of you guys are getting ready to go through some hard times. Simon Peter's like, yeah, these guys maybe not your boy. I'm your ride or die, Jesus. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be right beside you no matter what happens. And Jesus is "Oh, Simon, Simon, I love you. But before the day's over, you're going to deny me, not once, but three times. And he says something so powerful to Simon Peter. He says this. He says, Luke chapter 22. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Please get this. He says, but I have prayed for you there's people in here right now and you walked in here saying nobody's ever prayed for me can I tell you the son of the living God has been praying for you since the day that you were born and he had this moment planned he had this moment prepared listen even if you're agnostic or you're you're uh, an atheist that's okay man thank you so much for coming here you came to the best possible place get in a group do I have to be a believer no just get in a group I'm not going to try to trick you we're going to try to make you a believer but it's all good we're just glad you're here but this is what Jesus, Jesus prays for him. And notice what Jesus prays. He said, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Notice, he doesn't pray that Simon Peter doesn't fail. That's how we would pray, right? Like, I need you to, come on, I need you to tighten up, bro. I need you to straighten up. I need you to stop embarrassing your family. Come on, get it together. And Jesus says, listen, you're going to fail. But I've prayed that your faith would not fail, that you'll trust me. Even when you can't track me, even when you've made mistakes, even when you've messed up, I want you to understand that I still love you, and he's still calling him to leadership. Do you realize that? <laughs> Listen, I, and I, I don't know, I, I had not said this at any other service, but there's some leaders sitting out here dormant because you made a mistake, and you feel like you disqualified yourself, but you didn't. You did. You actually qualified yourself for God's grace. And when I'm qualified for God's grace, I'm qualified for leadership because then he uses my life as a picture of his mercy and his grace and his love. He's so good. In the New Testament, a father brings his son to Jesus and his son is sick and he says, can you heal my boy? Because he had already taken him to the disciples and the disciples were like, yeah, we'll pray for him. And they prayed and nothing happened. So this is a father who's already walked through failure and he brings his son to Jesus. And he says, can you heal my son? And Jesus says, Mark chapter 9, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately, not with a pause, not trying to fake it, the father says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Now, this is a conundrum because you're supposed to have faith when you come to God, right? But he comes to God and says, I have faith, but not a lot. Got a lot of unbelief, too. What's Jesus do? Don't, do you know who I am? I'm the son of God, can you go to the back of the line, build your faith up a little bit more and come back up here and be like, I have faith. Jesus doesn't do that. He heals the man's son, I oh, want you to look at me, I want you look at me, this is super important for you. He heals the man's son in spite of the man's doubt. What does that, what does that say for me? That says, even when I doubt, God still shows up. He's still there, even when you doubt. Even when you, listen, I feel like preaching to somebody right now. Listen, I I want to tell you something. I haven't told, I haven't told any other service this, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you this. There's, there's one of my favorite stories. And then I'll be done. It's in John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 19 says that evening, that Sunday evening, the disciples were behind locked doors because they were afraid of Jewish leaders. This is after the death, the burial and the resurrection. They're afraid of the, the leaders. Somebody needs to, actually, I'm just preaching to one person. Right now and suddenly Jesus was standing there among them boom he doesn't need a door he doesn't need a window when you can't get out he can always get in and Jesus said peace be with you this you can sit down for just a second this is awesome a few days later the disciples are back listen to this Now, Thomas, verse 24, called the twin, one of the 12. If you've been around church circles and you've heard him called Doubting Thomas, this is where he gets that moniker. He was with them when Jesus came, and the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. Have you ever missed, like, the awesome service? Like, you missed it, and they were like, bruh, bruh. Like, you should have been there. Like, Pastor Chad levitated. It was weird. It was crazy. Like He says, I'm so sick of y'all telling me about what I missed. Now, remember, he's a disciple. He's a follower of Christ. He's a disciple. He says, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. This is a problem because he's a believer who's saying, I don't believe unless. He's put a caveat on his faith. And here's what's so awesome. And after eight days, everybody say eight days. His disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Thomas was with them. Thomas was with them. This is the importance of a group. When I have lost all faith, if I'll just stay around faithful people, if I'll just be around people who can lift me. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he says to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Jesus had already come for every person in that room. But he still came for one. You may have zero faith. But if you'll hang around faith-filled people... God will show up for you too. Doesn't matter what you've been through. The heartache, the heartbreak, the sin, the mess ups, the failure, the mistakes. All of that stuff can be covered by God's grace and His love and His mercy. And He loves you. I want you to stand with me. Man, I love you guys. Thank you all for letting me come. Pastor Chad, Julia, I love you guys, man. I love your family. 1988, there was an earthquake in the country of Armenia. Killed 50,000 people immediately. 500,000 were homeless immediately. Created a major problem. That morning, Reader's Digest chronicles this story about this young father who dropped his son off at elementary school. He did what dads do. Hey, I love you, son. I'll see you this afternoon. One mile from the school, this father watched the road ripple in front of his vehicle as the buildings swayed side to side. With terror in his heart, he turned his vehicle around and precariously made his way back to the location of that school, only to find that it was flat, rubble, rock on rock, not hardly a full wall standing. If you're a dad in here, then you know the heartbreak. He wasn't even thinking in his right mind. He left his car running. He left the door open and he crawled and he ran and he struggled until he found the approximate location of where his son's homeroom class was. And he began to dig because that's what daddies do. And he dug and he dug for hours and people came and tried to deter him like you're creating more of a problem than you are a solution. We don't have the we don't have the means to help you. Our emergency personnel's all over the place. Please don't do this. You're going to you're going to leave your wife without a husband and a son. But he wouldn't stop digging for 12 hours he dug, for 20 hours he dug, for a full day, 24 hours he dug. People would bring him a drink and he would keep digging. In the 36th hour, Reader's Digest Chronicles that this daddy heard a noise. He screamed, help, somebody help, and they came over. And together they moved a rock back and they unearthed a cavern and in that cavern were 13 students and a teacher and one of those students was his son. And when he came out he hugged his daddy and he said, Daddy, I kept telling them you would come. Now listen, listen, it's a powerful story. I, want, I made sure I vetted the story because it's important for me to preach what's real. It's a powerful story. It's an emotional story, but it's also a human story. My Bible says if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven want to give good gifts to you? So I don't know what you're covered up with right now. I don't know what guilt and shame and heartache and loneliness and depression and fear and anxiety is covering you, but I know you got a daddy God who's reaching and he's digging and he's saying, hang on, I got you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe LA. Have a blessed day.